Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. We've been following the Canadian Freedom Truckers Convoy, and if you're not familiar with it, there are thousands of semi trucks that convoyed to Ottawa, Canada, and they began arriving this weekend. Now, one of the groups or parades that was convoying in was counted to have 480 semi-trucks in it, and it stretched approximately five miles or eight kilometers. And along the way, there are people lining the roads in support of them. And their one demand, no more mandates. These truckers are actually fighting for all Canadians. They want all mandates removed. There's some things we need to talk about. And we will talk about that. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Krista, here with Mark. And we are um, here in North Alabama, underneath a lot of rain and windstorms going on right now. We've got some weather watches that we're looking at closely. But we've been talking about this uh, Canadian trucker strike, the convoys that are taking place. And they're just they're very simply trying to put their point across the very best way they know how to do that, and that is don't mandate a vaccine. Let me, uh, let me choose for myself if I want to have a vaccine, but don't mandate it because it slows or, or stops commerce. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is they've decided to take matters in their own hands, and they are slowing and stopping the commerce. So today is Thursday, February the 3rd, and this is episode number 156. This episode is sponsored by Jim Curtis Knives, Jim's maker of high-quality, affordable, beautiful custom knives. All of his knives come with a lifetime guarantee, lifetime sharpening, and two Band-Aids. Yes, they're that sharp. Mm -hmm. You can view Jim's work by going to our website, www.practicalprepping.info and click on the banner there on the home page. You can also connect with us on our website, on our Facebook page, Practical Prepping, and our email. And we'd like to actually issue uh, some questions. Please answer. What was your greatest prepping challenge in 2021? Or what was your greatest victory in 2021? Also, another question to think about and share with us, what goals have you set for yourself for this year, 2022? All right, let's get to our episode. It's estimated that there's 15% of the Canadian truckers that are not fully vaxxed. That's actually a low number. It, it is, it is, but uh, it's probably a lower number than it is in the United States. Probably is. And I don't know what the numbers are around the world, uh, think that would be interesting to look up Mm -hmm. but this stems from a mandate that any driver that's crossing the border must be fully vaxxed even if they're just dropping off or picking up a load literally 
a mile or less from the border. Uh, we're talking about the United States border and Canada border. Yeah, U.S.-Canada border. And the Canadian drivers will bring a load down, come just across the border or on their side of the border, drop that trailer, and a U.S. driver will pick that up and bring it on down into the United States. Now, that's very common that that is done. But in this particular convoy, they've got over 50,000 trucks involved in this, and I've heard as many as 100,000. I'd be curious Mm. if our Canadian friends, and we do have a lot of Canadian listeners, if you could give us a better estimate of what the number of trucks is. But their convoy destination was Ottawa, the capital of Canada, and they were slow-rolling convoys. Now, they did this right. They were very respectful, as I understand, in that they kept one lane open for emergency vehicles. They didn't stop all of the traffic. If the roadway they were on was two lanes wide, they traveled in the right lane. And if it was three lanes wide, they only traveled in the right two lanes. So there was always that lane for passing and that lane for emergency vehicles. And they pretty much shut down Ottawa, and they have that one demand, no more mandates. And they say they'll be there until the mandates are lifted. Now, I heard a story today and actually watched a video that said that the mayor of Ottawa called tow companies to begin removing the trucks. Oh, my. They were going to forcefully remove some of these trucks. Mm. And each one of the towing companies told them they could not come because they had COVID. I see. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So there seems to be more support than a lot of people expected. And I think that the prime minister said this was just a bunch of right-wing radicals. And it seems to be gaining support from all across the country. Well, you know, the results of this type of thing are that these men and women who are in the professional trucking and shipping industry, they're losing some pay because they only get paid when they're driving. So if they're slow rolling or if they're not driving, they've definitely given up some of their own paycheck in order to be able to stand on what they believe to be right. And the owner operators are having to buy their own fuel. Exactly. And so there's a lot of cost involved in this. Another thing is that while they're doing this, they're not delivering goods across Canada. Right, because remember, if you've got something in your home, groceries, clothing, appliances, furniture, that sort of thing, it's quite likely that a truck or a truck traveling on a uh, railroad, most likely a semi-truck, hauled it. And so when they stop rolling, we stop getting things. Mm -hmm. And another thing there is that the United States is not receiving goods from Canada, and the United States is also not delivering goods to Canada mm-hmm. with all of this being shut down. Now, the Canadians will soon, if not already, be seeing empty shelves. It's just, a, it's just absolute fact. It, it's an absolute fact. We've got a supply chain breakdown here. Now, this one is not an accidental breakdown to a great big degree. This is a planned, organized protest, and it has a purpose. And so the Canadians are also having to sacrifice with some of these issues. 
Yes, and so the question then comes up, what if this idea spreads to other countries? What will happen if that does spread to other countries? Well, you can make a prediction right now. If it's going to be happening in Canada, and it's been happening in the United States too with the empty shelves, every country that experiences some a supply chain disruption is going to have empty grocery stores, empty furniture stores, empty quick marts, gas stations are going to get dry. You know, it's going to have a ripple effect, a domino effect. It's it's that's simply supply and demand. There's a demand, but the supply is going to stop. Yeah, and estimates that I've read says that over two-thirds of all products in the United States are transported by truck at some point. I think it's probably more like three-quarters. If not more than that. Mm -hmm. Now, gas lines, gasoline pipelines transport gasoline across the country, but it has to get to the station, and that's done with a truck. Exactly. You know, these these uh, colonial pipelines don't have a direct fit to the gas station. Exactly. That's why those fuel trucks pull up and fill up the tanks. And, and block the, <laughs> the driveway, and, yeah. and it's good to see them there because we know gasoline's coming in. Mm-hmm. Food and groceries get distributed from their distribution point to the store by truck. Yes, and think about this also. Amazon, UPS, FedEx. DSL, name any type of company that's doing some sort of trans shipping, you know, across the country and across the world. And if they all grind to a halt, literally everything will grind to a halt. So what happens if the truckers stop delivering goods in the U.S. or in your country? This could go worldwide at some point. And, you know, it doesn't have to be an organized convoy. Right. Although... I do understand, and I saw a video of one of the organizers who is actually in Ottawa right now watching and studying what's going on because they're planning a convoy on D.C., and they're calling it Convoy on D.C. 2022, and this is supposed to take place on March the 1st, possibly even earlier if everything gets worked out. Now, is this the one you were telling me about that's going to originate in Los Angeles? Correct. And then make its way across America? Correct. I see. And so you'll have who knows how many start out, and then more trucks will join in as they travel. Mm-hmm. And others may come in from the north or from... Some Some may bow out with distance, but, you know, it might be one of those types of things that just picks up its own steam, you know, as support is gained. And I will tell you that in the heartland, you're going to find that those types of truckers and shippers are going to have a lot more support than they don't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is interesting. We were doing a little bit of research on this topic, and we have found out that this type of behavior, this type of boycotting or slow rolling, this is not unprecedented. It has actually happened before. Yeah, and we talk about it not having to be organized. All they've got to do is stop driving the trucks. Yeah, they just just park it. (laughs) If everybody gets COVID at the same time Mm -hmm. and it takes a week to get over it, then they're parked, and there are folks calling for a one-week stoppage of trucks Mm. in the United States. Now, you mentioned they're not unprecedented. I actually remember this one happening, and I think you do too, and this was the tractorcade in February of 1979, and farmers rolled into Washington, D.C. on tractors, 
everything from farmall tractors to John gigantic Deere. John Deere dual rear wheel, four-wheel drive type things. Mm. And they all rolled into Washington, D.C. at 15 miles an hour. Oh, my. And yeah. some of those traveled as far away as Texas. And they were probably, I think they were protesting the inequity in terms of the money that farmers were having to make and what they had to shell out in order to be a commercial farmer and then the higher levels of profit that were away from them and they were finding that i guess they felt like they were getting gouged and we're still having that now even more so with the inflation being what it is i saw today where a farmer showed a load of fertilizer that last year cost him eighteen thousand dollars now that's quite a bit of fertilizer yeah he must have a large outfit he he does Mm -hmm. and that eighteen thousand dollars in last year's fertilizer cost him forty thousand this year oh that's over double that's over a hundred percent increase oh yes and so you know they have to pass these costs along to the consumer it's the way way. and this is not that they're they're not pirates and they're not bad guys business is run this way and when your costs of business go up you to stay in business any of you that have ever owned a business or managed one you know that you have to pass those costs along in order to keep your head above water and there's only so much charity you can give to a customer before you're out of business exactly and some of these guys are making payments on tractors that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars sure and equipment and i saw one today that was plowing in what will be a cornfield this coming year it was a cornfield this not a cornfield a cotton field this it was cotton this year and it'll be cotton next year and there must have been a million dollars worth of equipment that one tractor and what was attached to it Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. an expensive business to be in and there's no guarantees. I mean, look what's going on in Florida right now with them losing over half of the citrus crop due to cold weather. Right. Yes. There's a disease affecting the orange trees. And then they tried to ice over some of the orchards in order to at least preserve some of what they can produce. But it's going to be such an undercut number that... You're going to see it translated at the grocery store with much higher prices. But it's an expensive thing that we cannot get away from. Uh, It's not cheap to put a garden in your backyard. No, it's not. It's really not. Now, also in May of 2020, truckers lined Constitution Avenue in Washington, D.C., and they were protesting price gouging by the brokers. So it's kind of like the, the instead of a farmer, it's now the professional truckers. It was that, the professional yeah. truckers, primarily the owner-operators that work through private brokers to pick up the loads. They, they're not guaranteed. They actually bid on those loads, and the brokers were gouging them, and many of them were facing the possibility of bankruptcy because they weren't being able to make the money they needed to make. So this is not an unprecedented thing. 
But now let's look at some of the results of a trucker shutdown, if it were to happen in this country or any other country. Well, the immediate result is the supply chain grinds to a halt. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, nothing is going to be moving out of these uh, seaports. No, and we already have problems with some of the seaports. Oh, yeah. This goes back to right at the height of the lockdowns in 2020. We found that numbers and numbers and numbers of people were not working and that they were profiting at that time on not working. So these dock workers, port workers went missing. Mm-hmm. And so you get these, you know, large ships coming in and they would just sit in the harbor full because there were no dock workers or not enough dock workers. And there were 75 in. ships mm-hmm. out there waiting to come in. Some of them were loaded with perishable food. Mm-hmm. And the food perished. I mean, it went to rot. Now, China has had this zero-tolerance policy. And I know they shut one of the ports down because there was a single case of COVID that was diagnosed with one of the workers in that Chinese port. Now, I think at one point they were all shut down. And they reopened in mid-January of this year, but now we're back to major congestion of trying to get in load product, unload product, because China not only exports product, but they import product as well. So there's that congestion. Some of those ships have been rerouting to other ports. Ningbo, N-I-N-G-B-O, China. And my apologies if I'm saying that wrong. But they, their trucking industry to get things into and out of the port, their trucking industry is down to approximately half capacity right now with That's half of the wow. trucks and drivers. And those drivers have to test for COVID every single day. Every day? Every day. Wow. So nothing, if the, if the supply chain grinds to a halt because of a trucker shutdown, nothing's going to be moving out of the shipping ports. And nothing's going to move out of the railroad terminals either. Exactly. And raw materials won't be being delivered. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so now we've, we've shut down the supply chain because the manufacturers cannot get the raw materials or the companies that make and i'll just use automotive bumpers for an example you know they use plastics and they use different things and a lot of that comes in as raw materials and so the bumper factory is not able to work Mm -hmm. because they can't get the product and then the assembly line gets shut down because they can't get bumpers or they can't get tires or, or computer chips computer or, chips and mm-hmm. yeah i think we've got thousands of mm-hmm. ford f-150 sitting in lots that can't be sold because they don't have computer chips right so all of this stuff winds up sitting in distribution hubs and warehouses right but while it sits in the distribution hubs and warehouses not being able to get to the stores we have shelves becoming empty again. Yeah, we were listening to a report not long ago, literally just a couple of days ago, out of Washington, D.C., that uh, the local authorities were putting the word out to the residents and the citizens of Washington, D.C. to only purchase the food that they absolutely needed for the immediate future. And they were specifically stating that they should not buy any extra anything basically telling people who prep to not do it because they were they they already anticipating very very low supply on things in grocery stores and department stores and big box stores 
So these shelves are going to become empty, and they're going to be more empty than anything that we've seen. Kind of reminds us of that toilet paper aisle, yeah. you know, back a couple years ago. The store is going to look like the toilet tissue aisle. Well, if groceries can't get to the grocery store, then it's logical to think that gasoline and kerosene and oil is not going to be delivered to the gas stations. Yeah, so we're not going to be able to get to the grocery store to find out we can't buy something. And whatever gas is left... It, the price of that's going to go up. Yeah, there will be some suppliers that won't participate in this, and mm-hmm. there will be some fuel getting delivered, but that will cause the prices to skyrocket, and then we're going to go back to seeing, as we saw, and you saw particularly with the Colonial Pipeline shutdown, is that our service stations were limiting the amount that you could purchase, then they were still running out before they could get another shipment. Yeah, there was some that just literally had to close for the day. At 2 o'clock, they were done. Don't rule out the possibility that some nefarious country may take this opportunity to jump on some cyber attacks and cause things like the shutdown of the pipelines causing computer issues with shipping companies. And so don't don't be too surprised if we see more or an increase in cyber attacks that will just further exacerbate the situation. Right. You know, and we're not trying to scare you. We're trying to prepare you. We want to see you take some action because we're talking about this right now because this is happening. You can't be putting your head in the sand at this point. You've got to be aware of what's happening in other countries because it does have a domino effect here in America and around the world. And it's very possible that we'll see some violence in this. Well, we've seen violence for other reasons that weren't nearly as pervasive. Now, this could ramp it up a little bit. It could. And... uh, One of the things that I think could happen, and I do think, uh, I honestly believe that on January the 6th, when there was supposedly the insurrection, Insurrection. the riot at the Capitol, I firmly believe that there was some government infiltration and instigation in that. And I believe that we very well could see the same thing, particularly by our own FBI in order to place the blame on the right-wing extremists. It's very possible. You know, the the most secure building in the world is supposed to be the U.S. Capitol, and yet on that particular day, Capitol Police stepped aside and pretty much allowed some people to come in. Yes, now there was some incidents. Oh, there were some things that went on that 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 are absolutely shameful. Absolutely, but there, there appears to be more evidence of a lot of complicity on the part of authorities who allowed pretty much anybody that wanted to, even peaceful persons, to come into the Capitol buildings without being stopped. Now, I can't just stroll into the Capitol building on any other day. Why that day? But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. But one of the things that we saw video of was Capitol Police removing the barricades to let people in. Mm -hmm. And another picture that I remember, the rioters inside the Capitol, they were all walking between the stanchions and staying on the red carpet. Yeah, there were several people that, yes, indeed, 
you would question or, or some would question why 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 have a presence there at all mm-hmm. what is your purpose there and an american citizen certainly should have certain rights to certain buildings but they were also pretty much being allowed they were being allowed to come in and then there was some instigation and and this is a whole nother conspiracy theory to some folks where some folks instigated the rioting the breaking of the glass and breaking into the buildings and then we saw the shooting of ashley babbitt who video shows was trying to get people to stop trying to break things. Right. I actually think she was trying to intervene. Let's go back to a possible trucker strike here. Mm -hmm. Now, if you wind up with any kind of instigation of riots, you've got BLM and Antifa sitting there. They just want a reason to riot. It doesn't even have to be a good reason. It's just a reason reason to assemble and start breaking stuff. Something that triggers it is all it takes. And both of those groups are funded by rich left extremists. Well, they are. And we saw that with trucks and buses bringing folks in. And even in our own city here, the central part of the county seat of the county we're in is Huntsville, Alabama. And after the protest and such that were shut down here, there were pre-positioned pallets of bricks that were found later. So that was planned to be a riot. So they pull in in buses, and then the rental truck pulls up, and they start passing out the protest signs that are professionally printed. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a, well, it's, it's, well it's a well-funded situation. Okay, so what do we begin to see here in this kind of a situation? And it's simple. People will become dangerous. I'm sad to say, but you're right. Uh, They'll start attacking truckers. They'll attack trucks. They'll attack the merchandise in the trucks. And they'll attack the drivers of the trucks. Yeah, when people start getting hungry and their kids are hungry and the shelves are empty and they're not being able to to buy food, they will become dangerous because some people will do anything when their kids are hungry. Right. They, they feel like they have a right to break the law in order to feed their children, which I still have issue with that. I don't know that anyone has a right to break a law for whatever their humane or humanitarian reasons may be. And that's why we want practical prepping to be the watchword. We want you to go ahead and be prepared now. Don't wait till March, April, May, June. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but let's take a short break. And then we'll come back and discuss how long this lasts or could last and what are some things that we could do. Jim Curtis Knives, handcrafted, unique, heirloom-quality knives and blades. These high-quality knives are available at reasonable prices, and they're made right here in Alabama. You can purchase a Jim Curtis knife one of two ways. First, you can design your own. Your blade style might be a 3-inch EDC knife, or perhaps a 4-inch skinning knife, a 6-inch buoy knife, or a shape that you have always wanted. You can also pick your steel. Alabama Damascus makes a beautiful art quality knife or high carbon steel, which holds a very fine edge. You can pick your handles. They can be made from wood, bone, paracord, micarta, and there's lots of colors and options. 
Secondly, you could select a knife already pre-made by Jim Curtis. You can see some of the options posted on his Facebook page. Contact Jim Curtis and see what else he has available. All Jim Curtis knives come with a lifetime guarantee, lifetime sharpening, and two band-aids. Yes, they are that sharp. Jim Curtis Knives. Find him on Facebook. He'll be linked in our show notes and on our website. How long could this affect us? And how long will it take to get food back on our shelves? Well, let's just go with the one-week slowdown or shutdown. So that's obviously seven days right there Mm -hmm. that nothing moves. And then you've got all this backlog, and it's probably going to take three to four weeks to get supplies restocked. Mm -hmm. Right. Because And remember what might be happening in the meantime – hijacked trucks people are going to be feeling like they want to you know raid the truck or stop the truck and and pull off whatever's on there if it's a walmart truck there's a good likelihood there's groceries on there and so Mm -hmm. people are going to start getting crafty on thinking about maybe commandeering some of these things yeah i can see a little fellow about 25 years from now saying papa what did you do during the covid lockdowns and he'll say something like, well, I was the tail gunner on a food truck. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, we, we, we snicker, but there's, there's, as they say, many a truth is said in jest. Because we could see some trucks being attacked or hijacked. Yeah, and, and, and there will be some panic buying by those who do not prep. Especially when they don't have food at home and that food first arrives at the store. Oh, they'll be meeting the truck around the back of the mm-hmm. store just before it even offloads yeah. with its you know, tail letting down. And so you figure that a mob forms and begins to attack that truck before it even gets into the store. So that's food stolen. Mm-hmm. It's not stocking the shelves. And even when the the shelves do get stocked, these folks are going to be going through, and it's it's going to be crazy. It's going to be like Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> there and, were people that were stampeded to death on a Black Friday surge. You know? Yeah, there, there's always lots of fights, and it's kind of fun after Thanksgiving to look on videos at on YouTube and stuff of the fights that they had over televisions. Yeah, or, cheap stuff. They run a special Black Friday sale, but they only have six in the store to oh, sell. Sure, yeah, and people get knocked down and dragged and right over a you know ninety nine dollar TV. So this could be worse than Black Friday, and we could be looking at four to six weeks of severe shortages. Now I want to stress, I along with a number of other folks believe that the shortages that we are going to see are exponentially worse than what we have seen so far. It's certainly possible, and it certainly appears to be setting up that way. Now, again, we are not trying to scare, but we are trying to move you to take action. So what can we do? And I don't care if you live in this country or another country, If you have anything that begins to look like it could become a food shortage, there's some things that you need to do. And one of those is to immediately begin adding to your food preps. Food and water. Food and water. And it is time now to increase your preps. Mm -hmm. Add more food, if at all possible, and add water. 
Now, this may become buying a month or two of groceries in advance. If you can afford to do that, now might not be a bad time to do that. Buy a month or two of shelf-stable things, and if nothing else, it'll keep you from having to buy groceries for the next few months. Exactly. But we need to be adding food and water, even if it's nothing but beans and rice. Stock up. Now, I wouldn't want to, but I could live a month, and I say live, I wouldn't enjoy, especially because there's only so many ways you can cook rice and beans, Mm -hmm. but I could live on rice and beans for a month if I had to. It beats starving. It does beat (laughs) starving, and you have enough spices in there, we can have oregano beans one day and rosemary (laughs) beans another day. Of course. So there's all kinds of things we can do. But if you are having to catch up on your preps, you know, the time to start prepping was five to ten years ago. Well, for those that didn't have a start five to ten years ago, again, don't be discouraged. Just go ahead and start. And we're going to do an episode probably next week on catching up your preps on a budget. Mm -hmm. This is how you can add a lot of food for a little bit of money. Now, it's going to involve rice, beans, ramen, pasta things like that but Mm -hmm. there are there are even some and our girls our daughters have put some input into this with some of the meals that you can prepare and some of these meals can be done for four people for less than 10 bucks oh i mean a jar of spaghetti sauce and some pasta you know it may not be the most gourmet thing you've ever eaten but it will certainly mix things up a little bit cans of chili soup vegetables, fruits. There's just a, an enormous amount of variety out there. Yeah, don't give away the whole episode yet. But, <laughs> uh, we are going to be doing that, but now is the time to begin adding to your food and water preps. And and think a little bit further out than, say, three, four, five days. You may need to start thinking in a one month, two this, months. This is where I'm yeah. thinking one to two months, because At it could least. take four to six weeks for any kind of normalcy to come back into place. Well, we're looking at a large unknown. Mm -hmm. We can only make predictions based on what's happened in the past, but we may not be hitting it at all close. I hope we are wrong. Uh, Yeah. I hope we are wrong. And, you know, if if we are wrong, and, and we're adding to our prep some, if we're wrong, we just have a little bit more stored up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not harmful to if it turns out that all of this blows blows over, blows away, and it's fine. Yeah, you can eat through the spaghetti we have out there in a month. <laughs> that This girl loves spaghetti, and you regular listeners know that. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not trying to scare you, but we are trying to move you to take some action. This is hard to say. But if you live in an urban environment. In the middle of the city. A big city. Be prepared to leave. Yeah, and I think that some of you that just heard that are like a little bit shocked. You're like, what are you what are you trying to tell me here? Urban environments tend to attract or fall prey to greater levels of lawbreaking and folks thuggery. who thuggery. thuggery, security breaches asleep at the wheel, nobody's there to help you. And this could be a time when we had to look at bugging out. Now, I'm not saying bug out, not saying go ahead and do that. I'm just saying be watching for the the signs that you may need to get 
out of the city. And we're not saying you need to wind up somewhere in the outer forest 1,500 miles from the next person. No. No, 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 no. You don't need a bug out location no. in the woods no. somewhere. Just go to a relative's. You just need a place to go. Yes. And you can go to relatives. And or friends. You, you can load up your preps and leave. Mm-hmm. You can take a vacation and go to a small town. But what we're saying here is we want you to start putting this on your mental radar. We want you to begin thinking about this aspect of a threat assessment in your plan. We're always talking about having some kind of a plan. Well, now we've got to be facing the supply chain disruption that we're already seeing the evidence of it even long before the Canadian trucker thing. We're, we were already beginning to see those empty shelves again, and people were commenting about it on social media. I was hearing it on the local news. And so for these things to keep popping up, it makes me say, you know, I need to sit up and pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. That's not just a rumor. This is a real deal. But this might be the time that we at least need to update our plan in case we have to bug out. Mm-hmm. Now, if you live in a city and you have the opportunity, it's not a bad idea to move to a safer location. You know, I, I will say that. And we're seeing a lot of people moving out of these major cities and moving out into more rural areas. We're also seeing people leaving blue states and moving to red states. Well, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. Now, where do you go? You can go to your relatives. You can take your preps and leave. You can take a vacation, go to a small town someplace. Do an Airbnb. Do an Airbnb, whatever. There are folks that could not bug out. Yeah, for whatever the reason, they're, yeah. they're, they may be alone with no relatives to really rely on, mm-hmm. or maybe they feel like they just don't feel that comfortable trying to travel alone. Well, that there may be folks that have no place to go. There may be folks that are, and we will have listeners that are mobility compromised. Mm-hmm. We have folks that depend upon medical equipment. Or caregivers. Or caregivers. Mm -hmm. And so there are folks that cannot bug out and must ride it out or bug in. Right. In that case, you need to get prepared. Of course. Prepping's not all guns, ammo, and bug out bags. You've got to have that food. You've got to have that water. You've got to have a way to prepare that food, and that can be with a propane or a butane camp stove, or just think through that, and we've talked about that on a number of episodes, about having that way to prepare your food, or get food that you don't have to cook. Mm -hmm. Now, eating chili may not be the best thing to eat cold, but it beats going hungry. Yeah, if it comes out of a can, you can eat it cold. For the most part. Because it's already been prepped and sanitized and pasteurized and mm-hmm. sealed in that can. So, obviously, perishable foods, you've got to deal with that on some level. If you've got a freezer full and you suddenly are without power for a couple of weeks, there's just a limited amount of time that that food is safe to eat. We may not see the power outages but if we have cyber attacks, we could. It, you know, it, you just have to start mentally preparing for the what ifs. Exactly. And one of those is you might wind up being your own first responder, so you need to have first aid and medications available. Exactly. 
Because if there are riots in the streets, you're not going to have rescue units and ambulances coming to your house, most likely. Well, that's, I mean... It's a very real possibility. I think we in America, too, we've become very dependent on the services that are provided in society. But if society starts going through an upheaval, you're going to find that those services are one of the very first things to go. And it's simply because there just aren't people to populate it. And what we're already seeing, and I mean, I see this regularly, and that is extended response times on ambulances. Mm -hmm. They're going through COVID like everybody else. They're having trouble finding workers like everybody else. Right. There's not an unlimited supply of first responders. No, no. So you may have to be your own first responder. And one of the things that we want to focus on, you can cut yourself in the kitchen, cut yourself shaving, whatever. But you need to focus on wound care. You need to keep that wound clean You need to have some antibiotic creams to keep on that because an infection left untreated can wind up killing you. Well, you can go septic. You can, Mm -hmm. and sepsis will definitely kill you. It is a life-threatening situation. And you may want to have some antibiotics on hand. Maybe some sort of oral medication. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So focus on that wound care. And another thing is to be prepared to stay warm. Now, we're looking at wintertime here right now in the northern hemisphere. Now, in the southern hemisphere, you folks are running around with short pants and T-shirts, and some of us are envious of that right now. But you need to be prepared to stay warm. And that usually is some type of auxiliary non-electric heater. You know, we have the Big Buddy, and Mm -hmm. it actually operates on propane, either a small bottle or you can use an adapter to pipe it over to a large bottle if you need it to last, you know, more than a day. You can always get under extra blankets. And wear more layers of clothes. Wear more Mm -hmm. layers of clothes and sleep with a cat. (laughs) Or or a three dog, like the three dog night. It's a three dog Uh, night. You know the story about three dog night. It's so cold, it took three dogs to lay on you to keep you warm. Yeah, I saw a a meme the other day, and the husband and wife were laying in bed, and she had three cats laying on her, and he said, I'm cold. Can I borrow a cat? (laughs) Right. All right. Now, we said a while ago that prepping is not all guns and ammo, but you must be able to protect yourself. Right. If you live where you are allowed to own a firearm and you are interested in protecting yourself that way, we... We are very respectful for people that are resistant to that. We are not trying to talk you into it. If you do not wish to protect yourself with a firearm, that is your choice, and you're free to make that choice. We've chosen firearms, and we've also chosen other types of lethal or non-lethal weapons as well for our own security. Mm -hmm. But if you are allowed to own a firearm and don't have one, we would suggest that you buy one. Mm-hmm. Or more. And if you, Or more. And if you buy one, get some training. Definitely get yes, some training. Definitely. Now, especially if you're quite new at it. Yes. And if nothing else, get a handgun and your concealed carry license. It's really not that hard. Mm-mm. And you don't have to have a concealed carry license to have one at home. In most cities, I think there are a couple of cities in the United States that restrict that, and some of that's working its way through court. Mm -hmm. And another thing that you can have is a shotgun. 
Shotguns are not, most of them are not that expensive. You can get a pump shotgun for a few hundred dollars. And you, it's a very versatile weapon. You can use anything from bird shot to buck shot to slugs. And so that handgun and shotgun, probably uh, the two quickest, easiest ways to get into uh, owning firearms, if that's something of interest to you. Mm-hmm. All right, why don't you recap some of what we've talked about here, and then let's get out of here. Okay, so the supply shortages are coming, and in a lot of places, they're already here. So we want to beef up our preps. Like Mark said, the time to start prepping might have been several years ago, but we realize that a lot of our listeners are just new at this. And don't be discouraged. Today is the day to start prepping. So start And if you need help with that, drop us an email. Krista and I, either one, will be glad to respond to those and help you with getting started. And there's some other folks that we can refer you to that can help you get started. Absolutely. we are more than happy to answer those questions and assist you. We really don't mm-hmm. bite. Right? And it's never too late to begin. It's never too late to begin. So consider that you may have a supply disruption that may last in the four to six week area, and that's optimistic. Mm-hmm. We're looking now at making sure that we're prepped in the three to six to nine month area, just as a matter of course. And we have found that when we prep in that way, we skated right through all the lockdowns and shutdowns. We just did not have an effect to us because we were prepared. And the same thing with COVID. Uh, we had mm-hmm. what we needed to eat. We had everything that we needed right here. So exactly. it was just a matter of call our bosses and say, we tested positive and We'll let you know when we're coming Mm -hmm. back. So also consider making a bug out plan or a bug in plan for your circumstances. You're your best judge as to can I bug out? Should I bug out? Will I bug out? Or shall I stay in? And whatever the reasons are, you just need to go ahead and put some real thought into what you're going to do because you don't want to start making a plan when all of the S, you know, hits the fan. Schumer okay? hits the fan. The Schumer hits the fan. Have somewhere to go. Uh, speak with your family and trusted friends. If you do look like you're going to have to bug out, don't wait too long. If you're in a major city especially, don't wait too long. Get mm-hmm. out before the crowd. Exactly. Again, not to scare you, just to prepare you. And consider having some type of a security plan just in case. And not long ago, we covered some security. We covered some non-lethal weapons or non-firearm weapons might be a better way to say that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my granddaughter went to college. She took her favorite baseball bat with her. Ah. And so it sat there beside her bed. And she's a pretty good-sized girl, able to knock a good homer so okay somebody trying to come into that apartment at night would meet her favorite baseball bat oh owie yeah have a security plan just in case and let me restate this folks we're not trying to scare but we are trying to move you to take action anything else you want to add well we just want everyone to keep your eyes open keep your head on a swivel stay safe stuff happens get prepared We hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Hopefully you've learned something, picked up a tip, or something we said may have triggered a thought that will help you in your prepping journey. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode and share it with your friends and family. And remember, 
Stuff happens. Stay prepared.